I'm Gab, he's Jules. Gray and horrible skies over West London this morning. Probably grayer still over in North London, uh, where Spurs got hammered up at Old Trafford by Manchester United. We're going to be talking uh, about that, of course. Cristiano Ronaldo leaving early. We'll be talking about Liverpool winning again. We're talking Real Madrid, 3-0. Who scored scored the second goal in that? Kareem the Dream, the battle though. You got that out of your way. Um, But let's start at Old Trafford, because... And I want to start with Manchester United because yeah. we are often critical when they play badly. I'm talking about playing, not performance. Yeah. I mean, not just result. Yeah. I thought this was maybe their best game under Eric Ten Hag. Things actually worked. Things actually yeah. clicked. And interestingly, there was no Christian Eriksen. And there's no Cristiano Ronaldo, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, oh, and no, and Luke Shaw left back as well, which I think yeah. kind of flew under the radar instead of Terrell Malassia. Was this a case of United playing well, or was it a case of Spurs playing badly? More one than the other? Yeah, I, th- I think United played so well that it made, it made Spurs struggle. It made them really play badly. I think on another night, without Hugo Lloris in that kind of form, it would have ended up 4-5-0 maybe. And yet, United scored two kind of lucky goals. I mean, the first one especially, the deflected shot by right. Fred. The second one is amazing from Bruno, but the ball still ricochets into his feet, and then he, he has an amazing shot. But beyond maybe a bit of luck in the goals, the whole performance yeah. from the way they pressed, the way they defended on the front foot, the way they created chances all around the pitch, the patterns of play was really interesting. Yeah, and look, it's not about us giving Eric Ten Hag a big sloppy Valentine's kiss. Um, when we talk about a team playing well, there are different vantage points, at least to me, right? Yeah, there's yeah. obviously the result, there's the, the chances created, chances conceded. And if you want to go down that road, you know, you said... There was an element of good fortune in both goals. Uh, and then you could say Harry Kane at the other end had a couple chances. And, oh, look, maybe Spurs could have won that. But, no, in terms – because they also created a whole bunch of other opportunities. Yeah. United did. And as you said, Hugo Lloris, I think, stood on his head. Um, as the saying goes, uh, it's impossible not to talk about Cristiano. Yeah. Uh, he left the game – before it was over, essentially. Yeah. While Manchester United still had substitutions to make. Yeah. People are going to make a really big deal out of this. Is they it a big, should they? They, they should. They should. I don't, get, I don't care what people could say, but the game was won, it was the end, he was frustrated, and come on, you cannot leave the bench, your team, the pitch, the stadium, whatever, before the game is over. I mean, like, we never see it. There's a reason why no player never does it, is because you can't do it. You can't. You, this is not. This is not on. This is not good. Someone like him, of one of the goats, who does that? What? Because he's crossed. I didn't come on against Newcastle at Old Trafford. Really? Like I don't understand. I don't. I can't even. I don't well, even know how he can Tottenham. justify. He what? started against Newcastle. Let's not. Sorry, against yeah. against uh, against Tottenham. Why is his justification? Wh- okay. how, why is he going to say? We haven't heard. I yeah. mean, so why is the, he going to say the version of events? And I think this is going to be telling. Because again, this is how media works. If for whatever reason there is justification, real or imagined, he doesn't want to be, it could be a diarrhea, maybe to go to the bathroom, whatever. Maybe he had to get treatment, maybe he had some secret injury that nobody knew about. Maybe he told Ten Hag and he said, boss, can I go go into the thing? And Ten Hag said, yeah, sure, no problem. No, because he said that we'll deal with that tomorrow as in today because he clearly didn't know that was not agreed before or during the game. I, whatever it is, I think it's going to be telling if Cristiano's camp puts out an excuse, an excuse that you can go and send rubbish, yeah. or if they don't. If they don't put out an excuse, I think what we have here is somebody 
being very obvious, like, look, I'm not going to be humiliated by you sending me on in injury time or not sending me on at all. Uh, I, I think there's an element of human frustration as well in the sense that, you know, against Newcastle, I don't think United played anywhere near as well as Ten Hag said they played well at, no. at the weekend. Um, he sent out Marcus Rashford, who I don't think played well at all, and not just the chance at the end. In this game, though, Rashford played really well. Yeah, he did. And if I'm Cristiano, I look at it and I say, all right, Martial is the guy who's supposed to be starting. He's injured. Now they got this dope in front of me, and he plays a great game. Screw this. Why do I need to put up with this? Put up with what? You're not good enough. You, he's not good enough to start against Spurs, our Trafford in the Premier League. He's not good enough anymore. He had chances this season to, to show that he was good enough. He had opportunities. Ten Hag started him. He scored a penalty against Ammonia. And, and what, a goal in the league? And that's it. The goal against Everton, the winning goal. And that's it. There, there might be a third one. And you're not buying this argument that he's not getting the service, the type of service that he wants, because... Going forward, and we said this in the summer, he can't, Ten Hag can't cater to Ronaldo now to get better results now. He has to cater to build something. Yeah, and so he played different, uh, a different type of football. I, I, gen- I don't want to make this all about Cristiano, but we will talk about him again. But I want to circle it back to Manchester United. So when we say, when we talk about performance, say they played well, they didn't play well. Let's try to explain to people what worked in this game, what they did, what they did effectively. Yeah. Now it was a bit different from when we've seen them play before because, what well, we said, Shaw was in at left back, yeah. which different player from Malasia. I don't think he has the athleticism Malasia uh, has. I do think his movement and positioning is better. Maybe just because he's an older player, he's got yeah. things on board. I agree. I think he might be technically better than Terrell Malasia uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you had. Two holding midfielders in, in in Fred and Casemiro. That's a contrast from what we saw before when it was a holding midfielder, usually McTominay, with Christian Eriksen when when they've played well before. Yeah. Um, I think Fred, while obviously he doesn't have the quality that Eriksen has, is still somebody who can pass the ball and move the ball, as is Casemiro. Yeah. It, I, I felt as if. They alternated a little bit in, in coming forward. I think both were comfortable enough on the ball. Casemiro doesn't need to be Xavi to, to keep the ball circulating. Um, and I thought that worked very well. I thought they gave him a, a more solid base going forward. And I wonder if this, some combination of those two, and you can insert McTominay if you're a McTominay fan, I, I almost wonder if this is something that's necessary going forward. I just think team. that when you want to play and defend on the front foot and press high and play with that kind of intensity, Ericsson can't do it. If you want to play with a deeper, you know, lower block, deeper block, like he did it against Liverpool, like he did against Arsenal, when you're going to hit the opposition team on the counter or certainly, you know, over the top of their defence, then Ericsson is perfect because he's got that quality in long, long range passing that I don't think Fred has, for example. So I guess it depends a lot who you play against, but for a game like that against Spurs, Old Trafford, when you know you will want to box them in, press them really high, counter-press them high, the energy of Fred is so valuable. It is, and when, when he's on a good day as well, because he's got those good days, we've seen him playing so well before, the problem is that there's no consistency, that the next game is going to be average and the next one as well, and then he's going to be good again. But when he's in that kind of form, I mean, some of his touches on Wednesday night was just, wow, what's going on here? So he's got that in him. But I think for the kind of game that Ten Hag wanted the team to play against Spurs, 
them two were perfect. And and I don't think then this game suits Ericsson. I don't think it suits McTominay either. But for Fred and Casemiro, who also know each other well from the national team, etc., it's perfect. I think Bruno also had one of his better games. I don't think it's, yeah. a, it's a surprise. It was a poor season from Bruno. Some mean people have said, oh, look, Bruno plays be better when, yeah. when Cristiano's not there. Or other well, yeah. mean people say Bruno should be dropped. I don't see how you drop Bruno after giving him that, that contract. But I think, I, I don't, Bruno is weird because he's, he's a high energy, he's got a player who combines high energy and quality. But he's not necessarily somebody who has played in pressing systems most of his career. In fact, yeah. very, very little. And I don't think it's anything that comes natural to him, but he's a bright guy, and I think he can, he can learn it. I really liked a lot of the stuff that he was doing, that he was doing off the ball. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about working. And people are like, oh, look, work hard. Off the, you know, no, it's not working hard. It's working in a coordinated way with yeah. the wingers and stuff. And I'm almost wondering if this could be almost like a turning point game for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you see the, his reaction on the goal, and it was a great goal. I mean, his, his shot is amazing, but it felt like liberating and the, how much he screamed and everything. And I think there could be, I agree with you on the Cristiano thing. I think he's much better when he has a forward that moves a lot more like Rashford or Martial than with Cristiano. Um, and that suits him more. And again, the, that, that game plan against Spurs... It's perfect for him because you will recover the ball higher up because you're going to get the ball in a higher up position than, than he would do maybe when they play a bit deeper. And I think that suits him perfectly. And when you add the two wingers and the two fullbacks who are inverted fullbacks, a lot of the time, Dalot especially, who he has a great relationship with and great, great link with, then for him it's perfect because every time he's on the ball, there's so many options everywhere. You know, they play vertical far more against Spurs than I think they, they ever did this season so far, even, even against Newcastle a few days before. This was just perfect, but I think we still need to remind everyone that they also played like that because Spurs invited them to play like that. Okay, so that's a natural transition to Spurs that you offer. Perfect. So at the weekend, we saw Spurs switch to a 3-5-2 when Richarlison came off, Bissouma yeah. came on. They looked phenomenal um, in that 3-5-2 setup. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think Spurs were that bad last night. I think it was more a case of United playing really well. But clearly, if you're Conte, you can't be happy with with the way things turned out? No, and I still think there's so much work to do against the press. And I, I'm sorry, right now, they're the least of the big teams, they're the least press-resistant team. They cannot get out of the press. They can do it now and again. Of course, they, they do. They, are, they have amazing players. But, but on a, on a long, longer period, on a bigger period, they struggle. They struggle. They get under pressure too much. We saw that against Chelsea, and they were lucky to get a last-minute goal to draw that game. They should not not draw that game. We saw that at Arsenal, where they struggled against the press completely, could not get out, and we saw that again against United. Is that about the type of centre backs that they had, or centre backs playing in this game? Because you know Ben Davies, uh, Eric Dyer, mm. and uh, Romero. No. None of these guys are Van Dykes, no. you know, or, or Thiago Silva's, right? So, 
I mean, I don't think any of them are terrible on the ball. I know we make fun of Dyer a no, lot. but Dyer, that, that's the, the way he looks yeah. and the way, you know, it's really unfair. It sounds incredibly petty of us, but, you know, that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. But, but Dyer is not a bad player on the no. ball. He's a guy who makes mistakes occasionally, like, like everybody does. And yet, so, so it can't just be that. Is it Bentoncourt and Hoiberg maybe, are they the problem more than I the think, center backs? Yeah, I think they are. Because I think Bisuma is really good against the press and and he just cannot do it all on his own. But, but the issue I have more is whether they don't work enough on their training, which I think is the case. But also, uh, play long then. Play long. I mean, if you can't, if you can't play out from the back and beat the United Press, which was very efficient, very energetic, very good, everything you want, and you've got Son and Ken up front? So... I, I think they and they, full back and wing back. Sorry, they did play long a little bit last night. Uh, but more you, efficiently, I mean, if you yeah, more efficiently because I mean that was the thing against Arsenal too, right? Where Arsenal yeah, yeah. played them when they did go long. The problem is when you go long and you're on the counter, you know you have to essentially move the ball quickly. It's you know easier because it's a three on three or it's a two on two or whatever. Yeah, but it's also kind of high stakes, high rewards, right? You're only going to get three, four, five chances like that in a game. One mistake. And yeah. you turn the ball back over, and then you're defending again. Uh, last night, I thought Kane and especially Son were not sharp at all. No, I agree with you. And to be fair, you mentioned the Kane chance earlier. It's the one that was flagged up offside, and the referee let the game go. If he'd given the offside, they would have, that, that chance would have been choked yeah. off. The XG of that chance, which was quite high, would have been choked off. And their stats right now will look far worse than they do now, just because the referee saw the flag, because United had the ball, and they didn't score, he let the game flow. So I was, I, I've been worried before, and we've said they did really well in terms of points and results, but not playing well. I think that was a reminder again, like we saw against Chelsea and like we saw against Arsenal. And I know they're all away matches, so they will host all those teams back at the Tottenham Stadium, and that might be different. But I worry against the press, and we saw it a little bit against Frankfurt, certainly in the first, in the first game, and to be fair against Sporting. And I just don't know if Kane is not on a good day. Son, I think, struggles of the presence of Perisic. And if you look at a lot of the games where they both started, Son had been below average because I do think that Perisic takes a lot of the position that Son would take normally with a, with a less attacking right. wing back. And if Kane is not there, I mean, there's nothing happening. Yeah, I still think there is some more coordination and tweaking to be done at the front. And, and I think... It is very different playing with a front three and a front two. Um, and, you know, they, they became accustomed to Richardson, They became accustomed to Kulusevsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to have to, I think, become accustomed to this. Because even when Kulusevsky returns, or even if Lucas Mora becomes part of the, the rotation, these are all different players. Yeah. One thing Conte, I don't know if Conte said this or it's been attributed to him and, you know, these usual leaks that come out, is that, as you know, Conte is very, very big on fitness and, and, and preparation. Yeah. And one of the things that is out there, and it doesn't fully make sense to me because you've got the World Cup in the middle, is that his sort of physical approach is not to maintain a constant level all year, but kind of to go up and then to come down and so on. And the thinking is they're building up to be in sort of top physical approach come January, February. Okay. What I follow about this is I can see the logic behind it and I can see... You know, from a from a fitness coach perspective, we've all spoken to fitness coaches and stuff, sports science. I can see how you can do that, 
But then you're going to have one month where many of these guys are going to go away. Yeah. And you won't have them and you don't know what they're doing. So what do you do? Like, you know, sit at home with Ryan Sessegnon and, and make him. You know, I mean, like, this is what I don't understand. Like, no, I agree. You can have a plan, but then, you know, Romero goes to the World Cup. Kane goes to the World Cup. Son goes to the World Cup. You don't know what these guys are doing. I mean, even if they communicate with you, the whoever the fitness coaches for, for the World Cup teams, it's going to say, no, guys, you're here. You're, you work for us now. You're going to do this type of work and not another type of work. Yeah. So I don't know I, that you can – I don't really buy that, that he's doing that or that you can do that. No, no. I, I, think, I think you're right. Maybe the fitness, fitness is an issue here. I think of all, of all the teams, they might be the ones with certainly the, the most high profile going to the World Cup, maybe even the most numbers because if you look at it, from Lloris to Dyer to Davis to Perisic to Emerson Royal maybe, to Romero to Bentancourt, okay, not Bissouma, but Hoiberg, and then you go Son, you go Ken, you go Richarlison, all the starting 11 bar one maybe yeah. is going to the World Cup. Whereas Salah, Haaland, maybe not even Gabriel Jesus, Odegaard, those kind of guys, we stay, we go on holidays to the Maldives. So I think fitness-wise... They have to be careful. All right. We got to end it with Cristiano. It's contractual rules, traffic, clicks. You know how it is. Let's try to get into... Let's look at what happened last night. I'm trying to project myself into his head. He has a World Cup coming up, and that has to be, I think, his only focus. And and by the way, the clock is ticking. I mean, this time next month... In fact, on this very day... In 31 days, yeah. the World Cup begins. Yeah, that's right. And in three weeks, he'll be gone yeah. right? Uh, with Portugal. Do you send a message to George, Uncle George, and say, look, I don't care how much it costs. January, let's find a different club. I think so. Do you do that? I think so. He says, like, I'll go anywhere. I'll cut my wages. I mean, if- I'll pay to leave if I have to. But Gab, if he storms off like this for not coming on against Spurs in 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 his own team's best performance of the season, he's not clearly clearly mentally he's not there. Clearly he's not happy with decision from the manager from everything that's happening on the pitch. Otherwise he should be happy. By the way, he should have been happy with his mate Benzema winning the Ballon d'Or, but he's the only one who hasn't said, well done. How do you know? Well, okay. well, well, well maybe publicly then. <laughs> maybe he said privately, but publicly right. everybody has in the world of football, apart from him. You know, even, Mathieu, Messi, has, sorry, even Messi said, well, Karim deserves it, blah, blah, blah. Has Mathieu, one, has Mathieu Valbuena? Mathieu Valbuena himself, he has. <laughs> okay. He has indeed on French radio yesterday or Tuesday. But anyway, Cristiano does what he wants. But... If he storms off like this, after all, all the things that we've had already this season, the one in pre-season at, you know, against Real Sociedad, the one where he shakes his head and he's not happy and he's this and he's that, you know, he'd been start, he's been starting when Rashford was injured. He's been playing. You know, he's had game time. He can't say, oh, I don't have game time. He never plays well, me. I don't started, like him. I think he's started two league games this season, plus some Europa League nonsense. Yeah. No, no, but... Yeah, but Okay. So, to say like he's been starting is... No, no, I mean, he's been starting lately, I mean. Lately, when, when Rashford was injured, he started. He started, what, the Everton game? Or Everton, he came on after 15 minutes when Martial got injured. Started against Newcastle. Yeah. So, he started and one then, game. Yeah, yeah, okay. I he mean, played, I, one game ahead of the midweek game against... I, 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 seriously, I mean, I, I think there's a grown-up conversation to be had here between the parties concerned, right? If he went into the season saying, okay, 
I'm here at Old Trafford. I believe in myself. I have a track record to, to prove it. I will convince Ten Hag that I deserve to play, and he's going to tweak his system around me, and we're going to finish in the top four and win the Europa <laughs> League or whatever. At this stage, you have to ask the question, say, Eric, should we just call it a day? But yeah, should but, we just... But, 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 Right because now. it's hurting and, and him heard, vis-a-vis the World Cup, which is well, right? We've heard some of Cristiano's friends in the media right now saying, oh, if he'd been on the pitch, he would have scored that, he would have scored that. Yeah, right. my said Rio should be my uncle. Exactly. Know, you know. And trust me, Spurs, United would not have played the way they did against Spurs, especially without the ball out of possession, if Cristiano had started that game ahead of Rashford. And, like... You, no one can say, oh, Ten Hag has done this wrong and he's got this against him and he's got... I think Ten Hag has made the right choices all along this season so far. And that performance against Spurs shows the progress that the team is making, shows that he, he, he got most of the things right. OK, maybe the derby against City, you could say... Yeah. Mm, and they, <laughs> but but in regards of Cristiano, I don't think that any of us can, can point something out and say, oh, Ten Hag got it wrong there with Cristiano, or I should have done this with Cristiano. Well, I think you can say he got it wrong in the sense that when Cristiano played, he didn't get in the service Cristiano needs to... To make a difference. But other than that, that's not his job. Eric Ten Hag, Cristiano has a contract until the end of the season. Eric Ten Hag has a multi-year contract and he's got yeah. to think longer term. I think, I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, I hope, I hope, because I want to see Cristiano at his best at the World Cup. Yeah. And I want to see Cristiano playing regularly and scoring goals after January. I hope they find some resolution. I think the resolution has to be making yeah, a deal so that he can go he can go somewhere else yeah um, I, I think at this stage it, it should be obvious to everyone all right enough Cristiano how about some quick hits instead let's go Gav Darwin Nunez gets the only goal as Liverpool beat West Ham 1-0 Jules Liverpool played well, yeah. but it was nervy with Allison needing to save a penalty uh, from Gerard Bowen yeah. and Thomas Suchek missing an injury time chance. Mm-hmm. Who laughing at James Milner now, huh? No, what a tackle by James Milner, saving them clearly. It was nervy. It was difficult towards the end. I think there's a point to say that the 4-4-2 is great at times with the ball and it suits Darwin and Firmino. Salah, not so much, by the no. way. Not so much at all. I don't like this. I know, and I think also you get a bit more exposed defensively. And well, and Fabinho's on the bench, which I don't like. Fabinho or Henderson, well, why don't... Well, no, but you've got a big game at the weekend as well, I guess. Well, not big game. You've got another game at the weekend, and maybe that's why you... So what, do you think he's going to go back to 4-3-3 at the weekend? No, but Fabinho will start at the weekend. That's what I meant. It's a bit like what, you know, Porto did with Chelsea, yeah. and you have to rotate in a way. I don't know. I don't know. But the win is the most important. That's two, that's two back-to-back wins now. Very good. It's a goal for Darwin. Important three in the last four. But yeah, there's a lot of things to fix in that system, for sure. And speaking of Liverpool, Gab, Jürgen Klopp denied accusation of xenophobia for his comments about Manchester City, PSG and Newcastle United last week. Gab, how did we get to this? So it all began with a quote to a question about... It was something to do with, with Liverpool's ceiling. Um, whether before they the City compete, game, yeah. Before the City game. And he said, it's just, I'm quoting him, it's just clear there are three clubs in world football who can do what they want financially. It's legal, everything is fine, but they can do whatever they want. Competing with them, it's not possible to deal with that. So the three clubs, I think it's not a secret, he's talking about City, Paris Saint-Germain, and Newcastle United. All of these clubs yeah. are owned by uh, entities or, or individuals from uh, the Gulf. We had what we had when Liverpool played City at the weekend, some of the acrimony. 
And then all of a sudden on Monday and Tuesday, reports started coming out that, oh, City feel that those comments were xenophobic, that, you know, he's complaining about these three clubs. Klopp had to go and defend himself from this. I have a serious problem with what happened, and I'm sorry, I'm on Klopp's side on this one. For for, for this very simple reason, if you feel that Klopp is being xenophobic, and I'm talking to you, Manchester City, um, and you, Paris Saint-Germain, and you, New Paris PSG is not even part of it, right? You come out and you say, either you issue a club statement, asking him to clarify his comments, say that, you know, we feel these comments were xenophobic, or... You put Ferran Soriano out there, or Kaldun, yeah. well, Kaldun's busy, but, but somebody. You don't go, and this is what they do, right? Uh, they get individuals. Yeah, the uh, they, 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 they get what they call briefings, right? They, they get people associated with the club, employed by the club, to ring up journalists and say, hey, look, you know, the club feel it was xenophobic and blah, blah, blah. And this becomes a thing. I'm sorry, you cannot yeah. make an accusation like that, which is a very serious accusation, which club takes very seriously. Without manning up, if you are hurt by it, if you think it's inappropriate, come out and say it and tell me why. And then we'll have a conversation about it. Yeah, you may have a point. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but to do this anonymously with, with, with your servants, and they have names. And I am yeah, so yeah. tempted to name, to name names right now, but I won't. Uh, it's bad. And uh, there's reports in Ireland suggesting that, that Klopp is pondering legal action. I don't know. But yeah. this an anonymity stuff has to stop. If you have something to say, come out and say it. Yeah. Bayern Munich gets some revenge over Augsburg, who beat them earlier this season by destroying them 5-2 away in the German Cup. Jules, your boy, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, who I believe once scored a pretty important goal for Paris Saint-Germain, yeah, had two goals. And I'm just going to point this out, just going to leave this out there. Yeah. Uh, he has a goal every 72 minutes this season. Bayern's former center forward, Robert Lewandowski, who is now in Barcelona, has a goal every 77 minutes. Are you saying that this Bayern team plays better with a traditional proper number nine? Maybe, maybe, and I mean they only have one in the team, which is too promoting, so they have to play him anyway. But yeah, I think we've seen a big difference since he's come on the team, and and you know being a big part of it. Uh, not easy, just easy, easy. Played well against Augsburg with Bayern wearing played the well ugliest, the weekend as well. By the way, Bayern wearing the ugliest shirts in the history of football. Yeah, I mean, West Ham was pretty bad as well. That was pretty bad. Sticking with Bayern, Gab, they released their annual accounts and showed, once again, a profit. They make it look so easy, right? So there's two parts. I think it's like 32, 33 years that that this club has been profitable. Um, Yeah, it's easy when you're the biggest clubs from the wealthiest region and the wealthiest and the biggest economy in Europe. On the one hand, it's easy. On the other hand, Say what you want about them. They're also fiscally disciplined. You know, yeah, this yeah. guy wants too much money. Lewandowski, no. Oh, okay. Bye. We'll sell you. You know, uh, that's how you balance the yeah. books. And I think you can only, if you're one of those fiscal responsibles, you can only go and tip your hat to them. Real Madrid beat Elche 3-0 away. And Jules, they showed plenty of entertainment in Techers as well. Yeah, they scored three goals. They had another three that were disallowed. And, and rightly so, we have to say, uh, by VR and the international VR. But some lovely moves, some back heels on the, the Benzema goal. Vinicius, how about that? Vinny, ice best. And we've said in the last few weeks that Tam Real had been a bit... 
They've been winning, but a not playing stodgy, so well. Yeah. A bit, yeah, a bit laborious, but this this game wasn't... I mean, Elche not very good, but still, this game... Yeah, if only they could play the last team in the table who haven't won a game all season. Yeah, exactly. Great. Although Lunin still had to make a couple of good saves, but yeah, it was very comfortable from Real. And Gab, the win means that Madrid put six points clear of Barcelona, who play in a few hours on Thursday night at home to Villarreal. Were you surprised that Xavi says that he faces the sack if the team doesn't deliver? Uh, I'm not surprised because Xavi's honest. I think it's also pretty much a captain obvious thing to say. Yeah. It's also one of those things where we in the media, we ask certain questions, right? And you say like, oh, if you don't achieve your goals, do you think you'll be sacked? What's he supposed to say? <laughs> no, I am invulnerable. Or like, you know, you can say that. You can say, no, because we will achieve all our goals. So I'm not, you know, or you say what they normally say. Yeah. yeah, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just focused on winning, which is kind of the yeah. boring answer, right? Yeah, exactly. No, he said something honest. It's true. If they screw it up, there's a possibility that they'll let him go. Um, good for Xavi. Yeah. Chelsea are held to a scoreless draw by Brentford as Kepa picked ahead of Edouard Mendy. Once again, yeah. make some huge saves, Jules. This could have gone either way. Yeah, but for a long time, it looked very much Brentford way. To be fair, they played so well. Uh, they put Chelsea under pressure. Chelsea team with a lot of big players on the bench rested by Graham Potter so there was no Thiago Silva there was no Cucurella there was he no played, Sterling there was no Aubameyang there was Cucurella he Cucurella, started sorry. No, so when did Cucurella no, no become a big player sorry. he's no got big Chilwell. hair okay, no, no Chilwell I meant uh, uh, and then and, and I think Brentford sort of missed the opportunity and Bomo especially had that big chance on the header and then when Pulisic came on Sterling came on I think Chelsea then grew into the game played better uh, in the end, I think the draw was a fair result. Uh, and Chelsea have a massive game, of course. At Manchester the United, how about United that? At, uh, Stamford Bridge. There was an interesting pre-game stunt, Gab, as Thomas Frank and Graham Potter got to ask each other questions before kickoff as part of the coverage here in, in the UK. Gab, who asked the better question? And did, were you a fan? Did you like that? Or was it a bit weird? Did you find it a bit well, weird? Well, first of all, they made it seem as if like, oh, we've just invented this. No, I, this has been done before yeah. in other countries, by the way. But again, this is an island, right? So how would they know? Um, I thought Thomas Frank asked the much better question. He did. Graham Potter was asked like, oh, what was different about uh, managing in the championship versus managing in the Premier League? I was like, Graham, why don't you tell us? Because, you know, you You're did it too. Right? <laughs> um, but Thomas Frank said... He's like turns to him with his like wild Clearly eyes. You he saw says, that he was he had oh to play there and was so excited. He's like, he's like, why do you change your lineup so much every game? And it's a fair question. It's a People fair wonder question. about that. It's and I think and I think Potter gave a good answer, right? He says, you know, you want different looks. You want people to stay to stay uh, uh, fit. The, the the formation may change. The personnel may change. But the basic concepts of how they want to attack stay the same, and yeah. that's what he's working on. I, I thought it was a fair answer. Yeah. Well done, both of them, actually. Atletico Madrid are held 1-1 by Rayo Vallecano as they get a late penalty converted by our buddy Radamel Falcao. Jules, did you see progress? I saw a bit of progress, yeah, Gab, to start with, I think. Griezmann was on great form, great assist for the Morata goal. It looked like they were pressing high, they were intense. And then it's almost like if they could not keep it up, and that in terms of energy and in terms of fitness, they struggled. And then I thought Rayo played really well in that second half. They could have scored before the penalty. They had big, big chances. Yeah, a bit unlucky on the penalty maybe, but they had yeah, other chances yeah, at the definitely. end. Neymar, his father and former Barcelona president Sandro Rossell are on trial in a Spanish court, Gab, accused of defrauding a supermarket group called Sonda over the move from Santos to Barcelona at the time. Gab, what is this all about? So basically, I'm going to try to summarize this. Essentially, years ago when Neymar was still a Santos, he was, I think, was 17 years old at the time, 
um, they made a deal, which today would be illegal. At the time, it was legal, yeah. where the, the, the two brothers who owned the supermarket chain uh, called Sonda um, gave Neymar's family $2 million, and um, they basically got 40% of his future economic rights and essentially they would get 40 percent 40 cut of a future transfer yeah. i'm sorry they, they gave the money to santos yeah. sorry correction uh and that was called third-party ownership at the time it was legal and it was actually pretty common in brazil um so they alleged that neymar rather than um rather than saying hey look we have a deal so they said well, if we have 40 percent, we get a say in you know how santos where you go and, and how Santos move. And Neymar agreed a deal with Barcelona straight away and was always going to turn down. And all these other clubs that they talked to, it was just kind of for show and yeah. that, because they had a deal in place. And on top of that, they say the deal was fraudulent. If you remember, Neymar, I forget the actual amount, but it wasn't a lot of money that he moved for. Yeah, only $50 million or 55 something The, the like fee that. was limited. And then it turned out there was all this money which went to Neymar's father, um, And specifically, in the way it's important to, to Santos, is uh, they were going to organize a friendly where they were going to pay Santos around four and a half million dollars. Uh, Barcelona also bought options for seven point nine million dollars. This all came out when a Barcelona socio sued the club um, to disclose yeah. all the details of this, and we saw that actually this deal cost Barcelona a ton of money, and that led to Sandro Rosell's um, uh, resignation, uh, resignation yeah, yeah. being being forced out. Um, I think it's a major distraction for uh, for, for Neymar uh, at this stage. Obviously, he himself he just does what his father says, but still doesn't look yeah. good. Yeah. Neymar is also playing a part in the Brazilian elections after endorsing incumbent president Jair Bolsonaro, uh, who he's having a runoff against the other candidate, Lula, another former president. Now, Lula says that Neymar's endorsement of Bolsonaro is in exchange for a pardon over tax evasion. This is, I, this this is politics yeah. on one side, but this is on the eve of a World Cup. This is ugly. I mean, basically, Lula saying, like, I know why he wants all of you to vote for Bolsonaro, because if I'm elected here, if Lula is the president, then I will find out all the things that he got um, in terms of tax evasion, all the taxes that he didn't pay, all the deals that him and Bolsonaro have in place. And that's why Neymar doesn't want me to be the president, because, I mean, to be fair, when Neymar did that video to endorse Bolsonaro, who is the right-wing extremist candidate here, I think a lot of people were surprised. Even Rai was very critical, from a, like a writer from a, a Brazilian player, was quite critical of Neymar for supporting Bolsonaro. And now Lula, according to him, is saying, well, this is why, because of all the tax evasion thing. Yeah, and it's, it's becoming, I mean, I think we, we see a lot of... Um See a lot of Brazil shirts of Bolsonaro rallies yeah. and stuff. This is one of those things where obviously football is so important in Brazil. I think sometimes we uh, in Europe kind of almost not quite make a joke out of it, but like we say, like make it seem as if Brazilians just care about football more than anything else. They don't. They, They these don't. are real yeah, people. Yeah. It's a big country, a real economy. So this is going to be decided on a lot of issues. But obviously football and Neymar play a huge part, especially yeah. with the World Cup so close. Yeah. A22, the company behind the Super League, appointed a new chief executive and he claims that it will come into effect in less than three years, Gab, as in the Super League. Yeah, um, bold claim. Um, yeah. They have a whole website up. Uh, I have. I wrote a whole Q and A up on the website uh, on our website, which you can uh, read about it. Uh, essentially, they haven't gone away. The key thing here is obviously going to be their uh, the the court case in front of the European Court. Yeah. We're going to get 
a preliminary ruling in mid-December. We're going to get a definitive ruling in in January. I, what's interesting to me is, and, and there's a story in the Times essentially saying that they'd written to clubs. I, what, I think what they're doing now is this court, it's, it's an independent court, they're simply supposed to decide on the merits of law. In the real world, and I think A22 and the three clubs are pushing this, Juventus, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, I think they're right in doing this. This court is a very political court. They're going to pay attention to what the general yeah. sentiment is, what people want, what politicians want. So they want to help change public opinion about this and say, like, hey, this is why it's necessary. It's not a closed league. This is, they're hoping that this will, will help them with their case. And, you know, they're trying to cover... Uh, they cover all their bases with this one. Real Sociedad beat Mallorca 1-0 and moved it to third place. Jules, this is pretty incredible when you consider they've now won eight in a row in all competitions, and they're doing it without Mikel Oyarzabal and without Umar Sadiq, who was supposed to replace Alexander Isak. Yeah, you're right, incredible. I mean, the performance was good. Uh, Mikel Merino scores the goal, uh, and they've been going strong, playing well. Clearly, Manol, I mean, this is a group that has been together for quite a while now, for most of it, you know. Uh, it's still very much like next man up. I yeah, yeah, it is. And it's great. And it's great. And, and I think you need to applaud and give them credit. And your boy, Mohamed Ali, true. Yeah, true. A penalty from Lorenzo Pellegrini gives Roma a 1-0 win over Sampdoria. That was on Monday night. Gab, Dybala may be out, but Jose Mourinho is not going away. No, they're, they're, they're fourth in the table. They're plugging along. They may well get knocked out of the Europa League. I'm not sure he cares. He won his European Cup trophy. He last does. year and got the tattoo for it. And got the they tattoo. really want to push for uh, for top four. It might actually work uh, to their advantage. Um, there's still progress to be made. Dybala will be back in the spring and they're grinding it out. And I think at this stage you underestimate Roma at your peril. Borussia Dortmund went 2-0 at Hanover in the German Cup and they snap a three-game winless streak. Jules, what did you learn? Not much, Gabba. It was good for them to go back to winning ways. Uh, I was disappointed by the Yemi's Attitude coming off the bench and then being sent off like that. He's, I know he struggled this season. He's, I think he has one goal in the Champions League and zero in the Bundesliga. I mean, it's a shame that you lose him in that kind of way because this is a competition where maybe you would have used him a bit more. I don't, I don't know. I don't really understand the whole dynamic around Adeyemi. He's such a clearly very talented kid. There's yeah. something missing at the moment for him at Dortmund since he moved over. I don't want to be unkind, but between Adeyemi, Malin, and Mukoku, they've got three guys who, well, two of those three guys I think are very talented. The yeah. third is Daniel Malin. Is, you know, I like him. You don't. You but like we're him. just so up and down, know, up and down. Mukoku does seem to be more consistent. Um, he had for a now, chance yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end. So, yeah. Inter have reportedly fixed their sell price gap. It's 1.2 billion euros, which, strange coincidence, is exactly the same price that Milan was sold for. Does this make sense to you? <laughs> I, no, I, 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 ha- I have to laugh. I remember uh, years ago, I, I genuinely don't know because I don't look at sponsor shirts, but years ago, if you know, like Celtic and Rangers had the same shirt sponsors. Uh, and it was obvious why you would do that, right? If you're a big brand, if I sponsor one, then I lose half the country, <laughs> right? So let's go and sponsor both. Like, and it seemed like they kind of did everything in pairs, like they launched a TV channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is a slightly similar situation. Frankly, I thought the $1.2 billion for Milan was a little bit high. Um, the $1.2 billion valuation for Inter, therefore, is also high. Yeah. And I think the difference is in terms of playing squad, I think Milan have a more valuable playing squad because they have they have more assets. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, say yeah, like yeah, a lot of the rest is the same. Like, you know, you can talk about the bigger brand or whatever, and you know, I, sure, we can go and debate all of that. Um, I think they'd be lucky, and obviously, and officially, Stephen Jang still saying, "Oh no, no, yeah. I'm not looking to sell. I just want partners." Well, 
I think the kind of partners you get at this stage are going to be the kind of partners who say, if I'm going to throw in this kind of money, I'm going to be in charge. Yeah. Bundesliga leaders Union Berlin, supported, of course, by producer Freddie. Yeah. Look, they also win in the cup. They're oh, not just yeah, good yeah. on their way to the double. Now, what I find interesting is they beat Heidenheim 2-0 and Jules, guess what? They had 59% okay. possession despite scoring after just like seven minutes. Yeah, they scored early. I mean, if against Heidenheim from the lower division, they had 27 or 25% of the ball, I would give up on football <laughs> and go and play polo No, but they're trying whatever. to play a different way, yeah, right? Yeah, well, thank God against lower league opposition <laughs> that they could do that with the players they have. It's good. They... Incredible season continues, of course, both in Europe, <laughs> domestically, in the league, in the cup, everything. But yeah. 59%, come on. They never had. Early Pep Barcelona. 59% man. probably adds up to the last two uh, possession percentages that they had in the league. Something I, you like know that. what? I only watched the highlights of this. I am imagining them. Union Berlin getting the ball, booting it directly, and the other team being so bad, he just can't control <laughs> it, and it just goes back to them time yeah, and again. Yeah, I think something like that. Mikel Amiron's goal sends Newcastle to a 1-0 win over Everton. Gab, they've lost just once all season. They're now up to six in the Premier League. The Saudi project is on track, right? Yeah, look, the project was going to be gradual growth. I think people have slightly cheekily kind of said, oh, look, since the takeover, they've outspent everybody in the Premier League. And yeah, from one vantage point, it's true. From another vantage point, I'm not, I'm not so sure. They yeah. also have some, you know, obviously Isak, their, their big signing. He's been injured as well. I think they're doing well. I don't know, you know, he's building. I, again, you know my doubts about Eddie Howe. Yeah, yeah. Not doubts in terms of can he deliver top six or even top four, but just doubts, can he build an exceptional team? I also... I've, Go back to this. I'm also not entirely convinced that the goal here, no matter how much money the public investment fund of, which is a sovereign wealth fund, a fund of Saudi Arabia, I don't know that what their end goal is. I don't know that their end yeah, goal yeah. is to make a team to compete with Manchester City and, and Real Madrid, or whether it's simply to have a very solid top six Premier League team. Because if you have that, you've already like tripled, more than tripled your investment. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, who knows? Yeah. Sevilla and Valencia draw 1-1, but Jules, I'm sure you'd rather talk about ah. Edinson Cavani, who scored again. Stop it with the Andy van der Meide celebration. Edinson Cavani. He's uh, getting hot in time for the World Cup, is. and I'm wondering, I'm wondering, if you're Uruguay, you've got sentimental favorite Luis Suarez. Yeah. You've got 85 million man Darwin Nunez. Yeah. And you have Edinson, who looks like shaven Jesus. Yeah. Not sure if they can all play together at the same time, all start. Uh, don't know how that front three would work, but maybe, maybe. You know what I envision? What? I envision 45 minutes of Luis Suarez on the pitch, winding people yeah, up and yeah. arguing and biting and scratching. And then you take him off and then you bring in the majesty that is Edinson Cavani. Yeah, 45 minutes, each five subs. Yeah, that might well be the, the way forward. I mean, I love the end of that and game. And then you play, you start Darwin, obviously. Yeah, the end of that game was crazy with a red card and then not a red card and a penalty and a yellow card. And then Yasin Bunu, who saves Gaia's penalty to keep the draw and that kind of momentum we said they won at the weekend. It's still a bit laborious from San Paoli and Sevilla, but at least not losing that game was huge. So. I have a friend who's a Sevilla fan who tells me that if Lopetegui had still been in charge, yeah. Yassin Bruno would not have saved that penalty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big few days coming up for Juventus, Gav. They have Empoli coming up on Friday night and then a crucial trip away to face Benfica in the Champions League. Good news, though. 
is that both Federico Chiesa and Paul Pogba are back in training. So we might actually see Chiesa yeah. on Friday night. I don't think we're going to see uh, Pogba, but you know, they, he, he said, like, oh, I want to be back for Benfica. I'm assuming as a French fan, like, the last thing you want to do is come back too soon too and get soon. hurt no, again. No, 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 take your time. Um, it take is a boost. Uh, look, they're up against the walls, you know, back against the wall in the Champions League. Um, they got to make this happen. Yeah. So it is definitely, qualitatively, it is a huge, huge boost. And now, now Allegri has some more options, but also more responsibility for these guys. It's official. N'Golo Kante will miss the oh. World Cup. Jules, I know you're sad, but is this a bigger blow for Chelsea or for France? I mean, for me, it's a bigger blow for France because if you get N'Golo at his best, it's obviously not many players can play. Yeah, you can have Chouamini or Rabiot or Fofana, whoever you want. It's not Kante. But really, really, it's a bigger blow for Chelsea because they have a season with 60 games when France really only relied on him for seven, ideally, yeah. to go all the way to the World Cup. For Chelsea, this is huge because you're going to miss four months. Four months is a long time uh, to miss out. It's another option that they don't, they don't have similar option in their squad either. It's massive. And even if contract you pre- is running down. Too. Yeah, and even if you got if you prepared yourself for it because fitness-wise you've been struggling, it's still a huge loss. It's a bigger blow for Chelsea yeah, for the simple reason that for France, Conte is replaced by Chouameni, who is pretty darn good. For Chelsea, he's being replaced by Kovacic Gallagher. or Gallagher or Denis Zakaria. Not no, quite the same not thing. The same. Gab, the draw assistant for the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia have been announced and you have something to complain about. Yeah, so this is really minor and this is really, really pedantic. When but that's you wound you up. But this is really wound me up. So the draw assistants are, you know when they have the draw, right? And like yeah. they have the groups and they're, they're essentially the people, they all stand in front of the pot and like yeah. they put the balls in the pot. Yeah, and they like, yeah. Okay, so... And they have eight people doing this, and they represent the different confederations, right? Okay. And look, I don't want to be make this about gender, right? But four of them are women. This is the Women's World Cup. The other four are representatives from CAF, and it's and by the way, I personally like all these people. I've personally met all these people. I've had meals with two of them. They are Jeremy from CAF, Alexi Lalas from Concacaf. Gilberto Silva from Commable, and Ian Wright, right, right, yeah. from UEFA. Now, you'll notice that these four representatives have something in common. What is it? They are men. Yes, they are all men. They all identify as men. Why can't you find a retired women footballer from these regions to go and be there at the draw? A retired legend. When, when they have these draws for the Champions yeah, League, yeah, no, for the World you. Cup, what do they have? I'm they have good. retired male players, right? Completely. I don't get it. I, I really don't don't follow this. Now, uh, the other ones in this, you know, some of these, like Julie Dolan, obviously, is a, is a retired Australian footballer. Yeah. Some of these other ones, I don't know, one of these is a swimmer. The other one, the Zoe Sidowski, I had to look her up. She's from New Zealand. She's apparently, she's a snowboarder. But whatever, she's famous, she's local, that's fine. But seriously, like, why do I have to I fly? Know, I'm with you. Alexi Lalas from California yeah. to to wherever wherever they're, they're in Australia, presumably where, where they're having the draw. Like, you, you can't find a retired. Yeah. Wait, wait, can we think of a retired 
Well, you mean footballer from North America? That might. Are there are there any good Is ones that have worldwide? One of the greatest, Mia something maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and from Brazil. I mean, okay, uh, I gotta say, like with an M's when? I'm assuming Marta has retired. You know, you follow women's football more closely than yeah, I do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you know what? And from from calf maybe like. Let Mercia Kide, Mrs. Colin Udo, maybe yeah, like maybe, yeah, I, for example. I don't. I just really don't I understand I know, this. I know, I know. Unless it's that Jeremy's already on the payroll, so like, oh, let's send Jeremy. I, yeah. I don't care. Whatever. Sorry, rant yeah. over. Sorry, FIFA. I got to call as I see it. <laughs> Shock defeat in the Women's Champions League group stage. Jules, French champions Lyon are humiliated at home by Arsenal 5-1. Now, Incredible. I did not watch this game. Okay, that's, that's fine. Irritation of some of our colleagues for the simple reason that. I was watching other games. That's I was fine. watching Real That's Madrid. Fine. I was watching United. I was watching Chelsea. And I was watching Liverpool. I had yeah, four yeah. screens. I went over capacity. But this is a big deal. Lyon are the French champions, right? And the European champions. They won the Champions League last season, of course, against Barcelona. And no one saw this one coming. They never conceded five goals in Europe. I, mean, I don't think they've ever conceded five goals full stop since, they, since they've been you know, at that kind of level. Uh, incredible performance from Arsenal, from Beth Mead. Uh, and everybody at the club, it was great. I don't think Lyon, who were not very good, who had nine players out missing, so I don't want to find excuses here. Uh, was, no, no, it was still a very competitive Lyon side. But I don't nine think Lyon, starters out? Not all starters, but there are some big names out, like Ada Egerberg and players Ooh, like that. It's still a very good team. I just don't think they expected Arsenal to be that good. And Arsenal were really, really good. So well done. It's in the group stage. I think Lyon will still qualify. Although... You know, they'll have to be careful. I think they play Juventus in the next game now. It's not going to be, that's going to be easy. Juventus, who actually know this, they started off with a win in their group stage against Zurich. There you go. Saudi Arabia, Greece and Egypt have confirmed now that they will proceed with their tri-continental bid for the 2030 World Cup. And Gab, if they win, it will be in winter again. Well, I... Obviously, it's going to be in winter. I I don't know. You don't want to be you don't want to be no. playing football in Egypt in the middle of summer, Definitely. or Saudi Arabia for that matter, yeah. or frankly even Greece in the yeah. middle of summer. I've been to Greece in the middle of summer. It's a lovely it's place. It's really hot. It's not where you necessarily you want to play football. <laughs> um, I kind of feel this is like some kind of rogue bid in the sense that there are agreements at confederations. Okay, it's your turn to bid. It's your turn to yeah. you know. Um, We'll see how far they go. The report, according to reports, and like, there's a lot of people who don't like Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia spending money on sport, and they're very happy to go and do all these bad things that they're doing. Um, they're saying, oh, Saudi Arabia is going to pay for everything. Uh, they're going to pay for all the Greek and Egyptian expenses, and I, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if they can get support. I, I'll say this in terms of optics. And then people are going to say, oh, it's going to be like when Qatar won it in 2022. And by the way, step back. This would be another one in the Gulf. And there's a reason yeah. not to have two out of three in the Gulf, just on principle. People are going to point out corruption and what happened when it was awarded to Qatar in 2022 and yeah. in Russia in 2018. And I think those are fair arguments to make. I think the process has changed a little bit because the entire FIFA Congress votes on it. So you've got 210 people it's voting the, yeah. and 110 votes to buy. It's a lot of money. You know, rather than uh, uh, just, just 24. Um, I, I don't think they'll get it. I think there's enough people banding together. I think Greece are yeah. going to get very little support in UEFA. I don't know how much support Saudi are going to get, actually. I don't think Saudi will have all of Asia behind them. And I'm not sure Egypt will have all of Africa behind them either. Yeah, that's true. Um, but they're going for it. Uh, I don't 
particularly want another Winter World Cup. In and you've got so Portugal and Spain would be another one, right? And, and Ukraine America. and South America, of course, four countries. Yes, so yeah. Uh, I was just thinking, Ukraine not that far away from Saudi Arabia, no. Greece, and Egypt. Maybe maybe they'll rope them in and be like, "Hey guys, come with us." It looks like Wolverhampton Wanderers have gone cold on Nuno Espirito Santo and are looking at somebody named Michael Beale. Who is he, Jules? Uh, he's the, currently the Queen's Park Rangers manager, doing well in the championship. But he was previously Steven Gerrard's assistant at Glasgow Rangers and Aston Villa. So mean people are saying that if Villa and Gerrard are not doing that great right now, it's because, because Michael Beale left and he was very important there. Um, I think he's very good. I don't think... He's the reason why Villa are not doing as well as they did last season, for example. But I think he is very good. He's young. Uh, I think he expects to speak to them today, on uh, on Thursday, and and we will see we we'll see what happens. You know who they interviewed as well? Who? The other Dutch guy, the one who just got sucked from Lyon. I can't say his name. Peter. Like, well, like, why? Peter Boss. Why would you think <laughs> it's a good idea? I mean, I really hope. If he's down to the only them two, that they go for Michael Bill. I would love to see him in the Premier League. He might come too soon. Might be a bit early. But. I, I, I'm going to be try to be fair for a second about Peter Boss. If you are interviewing Peter Boss and Nuno Espirito Santo for the same job, yeah, you have no, no idea, idea what kind of football you want to play Clearly. because those guys are polar opposites. Clearly, the Premier League are considering playing the Community Shield overseas, Gab, or maybe turning into an All-Star game. As per Todd Brayley, original suggestion, what do you think? Yeah, another suggestion's also been, like, let's not play the Community Shield to kick off the season. Let's play it at some random point during the season. And the next step is, let's play it in Saudi Arabia and have four teams and pretend we're La Liga. Oh, yeah, La Liga. Um, yeah. So the reason they wouldn't play this at the kick off the season is, of course, they want that. There's the other proposal about the 16 tournament in the United States. That they're all looking to maximize money, maximize ideas. I think an all-star game would be... In, inane suggestion um, and just wouldn't be right to replace Community Shield. But more importantly, um, I don't have a problem with a Community Shield. People say, oh, it's just a glorified friendly. Okay, so this past summer, Liverpool and Manchester City played the Community Shield. Wembley was full. It was was an exciting game. They won 2-0. You know, what do you want? Do you really think that, yeah, if you move it somewhere else, sure, you'll get more money. No question about that. But is it really that bad? Like I don't think so. I like the way it is. And it's at Wembley, which is important I, for English football and for the players in this league. You know, I, I hate people who count it as a proper trophy, and I hate people who attach too much importance to it. But equally, these are all exhibitions we're talking about. As an exhibition, I don't think it's that yeah. bad as it is. No, I agree. Magic Mike Magnan will also miss the World no! Cup for France, and he won't return for Milan until 2023. I, Jules, as long as Hugo Lloris is playing the way yeah, he did at Old yeah. Trafford, doesn't really move the needle for France, although I feel bad for him. But this is a big loss for Milan. And I say this with the greatest of respect for Mr. Tatarusanu. Tatarusanu, who's done okay since uh, stepping in and you do But he's not magic like he's Magic not Mike. magic like Mike Mignon. There's a few goals that we would have said, mm, I wonder what would have happened had Mike been the goal. It's, 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 it's a big loss. It's even more annoying that he picked up the injury during the international break, playing with France. A game that normally Lloris would have played, but I think Deschamps just wanted to be kind and give Mignon some game time. Uh, and also because Lloris was not fully fit. But uh, it must be so annoying and frustrating to lose him for that duration when he was not even it, with your team. Is Magic Mike a top five goalkeeper in the world? 
I, th I think, I mean, on this season, we can't really, he hasn't played enough. But on the back of last season, I think he was, yeah. Courtois. Yeah. Allison. Allison. Terstegen for where he is now. Yeah. But again, if we can't last season, yeah, maybe not. But yeah, yeah. It's hard because then you got all black. Yeah, you've Edison. got Neuer and you've got Edison. Yeah, so he's yeah. there. He's, he could be in your five. It's only in 10. People would have had Mendy in there not that long yeah. ago. Now he can't beat this Kepa guy. I know. Top 10, 100%. Top five, it depends on, you know. Gab, who is Silvio Baldini and why are we talking about him today? We're talking about him because he's one of those very colorful guys who's coached a million teams yeah. uh, in Italy, in, in Serie A, in Serie B. So he was a coach of Palermo in the summer, and they win promotion. They get taken over by Manchester City, yes. uh, you know, City Football Group, and all of a sudden... He just decides to resign in preseason, saying, like, yeah, the fun got us out of it. Yeah, sure, we'd have all this money and resources, but it doesn't feel right. Uh, so then he ends up coaching at Perugia this season. Um, he loses a couple games and comes out, and, and he resigns again and says, yeah, you know, I really thought we could get promoted. And by the way, they're near the relegation zone or in the relegation zone. Like, I, when I tell people I want to go for promotion, people look at me like I'm crazy. So, like, yeah. Screw this. I don't need this job. <laughs> um, to have a guy resign and just walk away from two jobs yeah. in the space of three months, I think is pretty remarkable. But he is one of those, he's one of those free spirits, man. Exactly. And you need like that in that. football, too. We like that. The artist formerly known as the Ninja, Raja Nainggolan, was suspended indefinitely by Antwerp for vaping on the bench <laughs> ahead of their game against Standard Liège. Uh, he also was got in trouble for driving without a license, as yeah. you do. Jules, He's 34 years old, and he's fallen very far, very fast. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Because you would think at that age, in the team that right now is top of the table in Belgium, so I think there's, it's not if they were struggling and losing every game 5-0 or something. They're clearly doing well. There's other older players like Alderweireld, for example, who who clearly is still enjoying the latest years of their career, and, and Raja could do the same, and instead... I mean, when you see the footage, it's even worse. You see this big smoke coming up, and you're thinking, like, what are you doing? I mean, and he got to cover it up with his hand so I, that you can't see the vape thing, but, but then, then you, you can see, see the whole massive smoke. And I'm just like, oh. oh sorry, it's water vapor. Yeah, yeah, anyway. of course. Colombian defender Jason Perea is now a meme on social media after exposing his private parts in an alleged attempt to distract his opponent before taking a free kick in the game between Santa Fe. And Jaguares, Gab, there's always something new, I guess. Yeah, it's a new technique. He wasn't taking the free kick. He was actually, he was in the wall. And yeah, while the opponent was should, about yeah. to take the free kick. And essentially, it looks like he pulls out the front of his shorts and he drops them. And yes, you can see his private parts. And now he says, that wasn't my intention at all. He says, I was just, you know, he wears, he wears sort of Lycra spandex underneath. And I was adjusting it and it can get... It can, now, maybe, yeah, maybe it was... I have played... Uh, in some situations, I generally didn't play. I don't know about you. I, I'm assuming you probably did in cold weather, right? Did, did you wear tights underneath your shorts? Tights, no. But yeah, you had like those kind of cycling. Yeah, you know, exactly. Winter, I, I've yeah. done that too. And they can't get uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I usually found a way to adjust what I needed to adjust without <laughs> pulling my pants down. But hey, that's just me. Uh, Jules, we got to come back on Monday because there's so much going oh, on this yes. weekend. Yes, yes. Until then, as it says on my hoodie, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself.